When you consider some of the world's greatest works of art, a large number were created in times of suffering. In fact, most of Beethoven's greatest symphonies were written as a result of incredible suffering and pain. Yet, as a result, we're able to experience an incredible blessing. You think you have the darkest time in your life. You feel like you are living in a pit. Even in the darkest of times, God can use that to give us a revelation from above. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. Often, our suffering can lead to some of our greatest blessings. And this week, Charles Tapp continues with the second part of his series, Christ First, a journey through the book of Revelation by looking at how God offers another set of ways to experience happiness with his message, Blessed Assurance. As we begin part two of our series, as we are taking a journey through the book of Revelation, I just wanna take a few moments today and to just go back over some things that I feel are very pivotal, not only just to the message today, but to our foundation that we're trying to build as it relates to the book of Revelation. Some of you, it may be a review. For others, you may not have been here, and this will be a great time for you to take part as well. First of all, we must understand this. Because Revelation, unlike most of Scripture, is filled with these strange symbols and these mysterious images that there is a prevailing school of thought that somehow Revelation is this closed book. Meaning that because of these symbols and because of these images and because it's very difficult to understand that many believe that Revelation was never intended to be understood at all. Even the great reformer Martin Luther said that we would probably do well if we would just take the book of Revelation and throw it out of the canon altogether. But I take issue with that. For there would be some validity to that argument if it were not for the name of the book itself. Amen. Amen? Revelation, coming from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means uncovering or unveiling. Now, if something means uncovered or unveiling, why would that be closed? The second thing is we continue to read through the book of Revelation, especially in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, you see this statement that keeps coming up, popping up over and over and over again, where it says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Now, if I'm supposed to hear what the Spirit says, and hearing is more than just the auditory response from sounds that we receive, it's also understanding, then why in the world would we ever look at this book, Revelation, as being a closed book? And in each case in Scripture, not only in the book of Revelation do we find this phrase, he that hath an ear, let him hear, but we also find it in the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Seven times Jesus says this in the Gospels. How about this? Seven times in the book of Revelation. 
And as we've learned and we continue to learn, the number seven has great symbolic meaning in the book of Revelation for it represents fullness, the fullness of God. So when it talks about the seven spirits, it's talking about not seven individual spirits, but the fullness of the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Who says amen to that? Secondly, we need to understand that Revelation first and foremost, is a letter similar to the letters that Paul wrote, the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, to the various churches, but in particular to these seven Christian communities that we'll deal with more as we go on in our series on the book of Revelation. To these first century believers in Asia Minor in the province of Rome, and it was given to them to encourage these early believers as they were being pressured, as we talked about on last week, to compromise. They were being pressured to compromise one thing in particular, and that was their authentic worship to God. It was this whole idea of emperor worship where you either worship the emperor as Lord and Savior and King, or you would be punished. Others face great and severe persecution socially as well as economically. And yes, some like the Bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp, even lost their lives. You know, we in this country are, are blessed, are we not? Sometimes I think we take our worship and the ability to worship God for granted. For we can worship in this country according to the dictates of our hearts. That's the way it is now. That's the way it has been. That is not always the way it is going to be. Even then, as John is giving this letter in vision, as he sends it out to the seven churches, many were beginning to compromise, not just because they were being pressured from the outside, but many were being comprom compromising because of the pressure that was coming from the inside, from the very believers themselves. And many gave in to that, compromising on issues of, of justice and and righteousness and what ought to be, and they compromised because they were, they were afraid of losing their economic and their social standing in the community over this issue of worship. And lastly, although it isn't viewed in this light by many, revelation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news. John himself says in the very first verse, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ, from Jesus Christ. Not the Jesus who was depicted hanging on the cross, but the Jesus after the cross. The Jesus as he refers to as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the victorious Jesus who one day is going to return to this earth and set up his own kingdom and his kingdom will be an eternal kingdom. Who says amen to that today? The message of Revelation is about Christ's role in his ministry with his people today being with them as they endure the persecution 
and endure the hardships, all, mind you, for the sake of the gospel. As Paul said, all who live godly, like God, will suffer persecution. Just as he was with the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they were placed in the fiery furnace, so shall he be with God's people today as we endure the fiery darts and the fiery flames of persecution. All over the same thing, worship. Please do not miss this. Too many times we miss the forest for the trees. Because in reading the book of Revelation, the first thing we want to do, and I understand that, we want to go straight to the dragons, we want to go straight to the beasts, we want to go straight to the images, and we want to know what does that mean for me today. We must understand that the underlining element in this book, the foundation of why it was given, is because of worship. Worship that is being compromised by the people of God. The very first commandment within the Decalogue tells us, you shall have no other God before me. And they were being tempted to compromise. Hear me today. We should only follow the worship of God and never worship by the dictates of man. We're waiting for some great persecution to come from the outside. It's coming from within the church. Because people are afraid of standing out, standing alone. But as Martin Luther King says, if you haven't found something for which you're willing to stand on, you're not fit to live. And God's people in these last days have to stand. And the book of Revelation tells us that we are not standing alone, but God will stand with us. So if you had to sum up the book of Revelation... I would say the revelation is primarily about these two things. Number one, the promise that God makes to his people, that he will be with them even during the most challenging of times, the most difficult of times, even, as Christ says, to the end of the age. Secondly, revelation was given as a way to encourage the people of God, to encourage them for what? To remain faithful when it comes to this issue of authentic worship, a worship that is based on the commandments of God and not on the dictates of man. And as I mentioned on last week, you know, we're all thinking futuristic when it comes to the book of Revelation, but that's not the message of Revelation. It's a message of Revelation. But the message of Revelation is not so much about the future and what the future holds. The message of Revelation is that God holds the future. And if he holds the future, then he holds you and me as well. And this is the message that these early first century Christians needed to hear as they were being persecuted more than ever before. We're living in a world today where it feels like, at least to me, that things are literally falling apart. I can't turn on the television. I have to stop listening to all the news on the radio. And if you have an iPhone, aren't you sick and tired of all those alerts that come up in the news? I'm just trying to rest sometime and bloop, 
bloop, bloop, it is falling apart. Listen, the world has always been in a bad way, has it not? But it is getting increasingly worse by epic proportions, and the message for Revelation is for this time. It's not looking like it's falling apart. It is falling apart. And God is sending his message to us today, even though it's falling apart. I am with you. We don't know what persecution is. When John wrote this book, he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Some of us, the closest we know anything about being exiled is when we were kids and we were exiled to our rooms. We don't know what it means to be exiled. Even as he was on that island, surrounded by water, some historians refer to Patmos as a, in our own terms, an Alcatraz that we have today. But he was there, and I just wonder what was John's frame of mind like? What would your frame of mind have been like if you had been isolated? And I love what he says. Look, look, look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. For he gives us the reason why he was there. As he writes to the fellow believers in the seven churches, he says, I, John, both your brother and companion, Companion. Do you hear what he says? I'm not only your brother in Christ. I'm your companion because we've got something in common. What is it? Tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. And then he gives us why he was there. It was on the isle, island that is called Patmos. Here it is. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. This has a dual meaning. John isn't just saying I was there to receive the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the witness of Christ. But I was placed on this island because I was faithful to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. He was on that island writing to a persecuted people, but John was persecuted himself. And many of us, I would dare say, would have given up but isn't it amazing that in that time, instead of him cursing God, he was open to God. And it was while he was at his darkest hour by man's standards that God revealed to him one of the greatest visions mankind has ever seen. I wonder if John thought about Joseph from the Old Testament. We all know the story of Joseph, right? Joseph and his multicolored coat, how he bragged about it, bragged about his dream to his brothers to the point that they said, listen, we're fed up with this. So they threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. Long story short, he ends up being second in command in Egypt. But then he shares what I believe is one of the greatest truths known to man. Look at it here in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. Look at what he says. I love this. As for you, talking about his persecutors, you meant evil, what? Against me. But God meant it for what? Good. In order to bring about this present result, 
to preserve many people alive. Please don't miss it. Let that stay there for a moment on the screen. This word meant in the Hebrew means to weave together. In other words, Joseph is saying, you orchestrated my demise. You planned it. You collaborated this. You weaved it together for evil, but the ultimate weaver, who is God, weaved it together for good. Who says amen to that? You see, you think, and I don't know who I'm talking to right now, you think you're at the darkest time in your life. You feel like you are living in a pit. You feel like you've been isolated from the world, even though you're in the midst of a great many people. Even in the darkest of times, God can use that to give us a revelation from above. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Blessed Assurance. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Man, when I think about WGTS, I think about family, and uh, WGTS lifts me up. The whole crew has truly been a blessing in my life, and um, I'm forever grateful for WGTS and what they do for myself and for the community. Support makes a difference. I always uh, encourage people. Like, you want to listen to something to be encouraged when you're going through a tough time, turn to 91.9. They are definitely up with the spirits. And uh, especially in the trying time we're in right now in society. Working together to impact the nation's capital. And I am forever grateful for for the WGPS family because that's exactly what it is family. And we get to be a part of that as listeners, which is is amazing. Listener funded. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. At 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And this week, Charles Tapp continues with the second part in his series, Christ First, A Journey Through the Book of Revelation, by looking at how God offers another set of ways to experience happiness with his message, Blessed Assurance. You think you're at the darkest time in your life. You feel like you are living in a pit. You feel like you've been isolated from the world, even though you're in the midst of a great many people. Even in the darkest of times, God can use that to give us a revelation from above. And it it wasn't just a revelation to encourage John. It was a revelation to encourage the Christian church in all its ages, even now in the year of 2018. So what you are going through, please understand that the master weaver can weave all things together for your good. And do you know what this all things includes? The good, the bad, and the ugly. God can take it and weave it together and others will orchestrate it for your demise, whether in the home or on the job. Have you ever had a situation where people tried to do you in and God turned it around on them? We wouldn't have revelation today if John had been on that island of Patmos cursing God, complaining because of his current situation. Sometimes the only way God can speak to you is to get you by yourself. To take the things that you depended on most and the people that you counted on the most, take those away from you for a while, then God can speak. And I love what it says here that the blessing wasn't just for Joseph. 
But it was for many people to keep them alive. The message and the blessing of Revelation wasn't just for John. It wasn't just for those first century Christians in Asia Minor and those seven churches. But the blessing is for you and it is for me today. And what Revelation promises us is that if we remain faithful to God, even what may appear to be the darkest moments of our lives, God can turn that into a blessing. But here's what revelation is. It is a blessing. Jesus tells us that there is a special blessing from above for those who read and hear the words in the book of Revelation. Let's take a look at it. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who do what? Hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time when you're going to need this, he's saying, is near. This word blessed is an interesting word, and it blew me away as I was studying it. It is the exact same word that we find in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus presents the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and so forth and so on. It is the word makarios. Unfortunately, in our English translations, we have translated it as, as happiness, but it's, it's, it's more than being happy. Because how many of you know happiness is subjective? Some of you are not happy now because it's cloudy outside, and I'm one of them. That is out of my control. So man's idea of happiness, we can't control that. So when he talks about being blessed, it transcends happiness. Blessed in this context simply means the joy that you and I experience when we are in right relationship with God. For in order for us to be in right relationship with God, we must first be in right relationship with each other. And there is a special blessing that is going to be imbued upon the people of God who take the message of revelation and read it and hear it. And in this context, the person who reads it, it is, it is really talking about the person who teaches it or the person who preaches it. So there's a blessing for all who preach the book of Revelation. So God has a blessing for me. I don't know what it is because I'm preaching and teaching it. But he also has a blessing for those who hear it and do it. So there's a blessing for each one of us that you and I would not have privy to if we did not follow the book of Revelation. And sadly, sadly, in this country, we confine blessings, even from God, as being material things. All the material things in the world, Jesus says, don't put your heart in those. Moth, dust will corrupt it, or an enemy may come in and take it. The ultimate blessing is one that is eternal, that has impact on our lives today, but will also impact us as we move toward eternity. There is the blessing for each and every one of us. As a matter of fact, did you know that in the book of Revelation, 
Just like there is in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, there is a set of Beatitudes. Did you know that? You know the Beatitudes in Matthew, right? Blessed are all the poor in spirit, blessed are all the meek. Did you know that Revelation has its own set of Beatitudes, its own set of blessings? Let's take a look at them. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. Let's look at the first one. We just read it. Blessed is he who reads, that's me, and those who hear, that's you, the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is what? Is near. That's beatitude number one. Let's look at the next one. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, here it is, blessed are the dead who die how? In the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Next, Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. Behold, I am coming how? As a what? Thief. Here it is. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. Talking about our righteousness, not ours, but having the righteousness of Christ. Lest he walk how? Naked and they see his shame. Next, Revelation chapter 19, verse 9. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those, makarios, are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's talking about Jesus. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Next, Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in what resurrection? The first resurrection over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for how long? A thousand years. Next, Revelation chapter 22, verse 7. Behold, I come what? Quickly. That word quickly in the Greek does not mean soon. It means suddenly. It means like a thief who will catch you off guard if you are not prepared. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book so that you can be prepared and so that you won't be caught off guard. And Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14, blessed are those who do what? Do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through what? The gates into the city. Listen, Revelation makes it clear that whenever God's people remain faithful to God and his word. There is a blessing that only God can give. When you and I remain faithful, despite the opposition, despite the persecution, whether that opposition or persecution comes from without or whether it comes from within, revelation is clear. You and I have a blessing and it is not a material thing that eventually will cease to exist, but it is one of eternal dimensions. It is having the blessed assurance that we are in right relationship with God and the blessed assurance that because of that right relationship, God is with us now and he will continue to be with us throughout this age. And when is the best time to get ready for the worst? Before the worst ever happens.
So John's letter served as a warning to God's people, but it also serves as encouragement that you and I have the assurance, the blessed assurance that God will be with us. And my hope is that all of us who are here today in this sanctuary and those who you are worshiping online and those who are listening by radio, that you will accept the challenge to receive the blessed assurance that God had for the people back then that he has for us today. It is the blessed assurance that will carry us through until he returns. Amen. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Blessed Assurance. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. So the picture that John gives us in Revelation is that in times of crisis, in times of persecution, we have a high priest who intercedes in behalf of the people of God. Next week, we hope you can listen in again as Charles Tapp shares the third part in this series, Christ First, a journey through the book of Revelation with his message, No Need to Fear. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.